is deeply wrong with the child who will suspect the child as being perhaps the supernatural cause of other misfortunes going around in the valley, hires Mary to help her keep him hidden from the community. But inevitably, as these things do, as bad things continue to happen in this small society, people start to look at the boy as the cause of their suffering and all sorts of things go on from there. That's probably where I have to leave it. Yeah, I think... <laughs> That's a really great description of what can be expected. So thank you for that. Um, what kind of research did you have to do? I mean, as people can hear, I'm sure you are Australian. Yes. Had you been to Ireland before? I had been to Ireland before quite briefly, um, although most of my knowledge of Irish culture, particularly folk culture, came from music. I was actually in an Irish folk band when I was about 12 years old through to when I was about 15 or 16. I ended up doing a lot of my research while I was based in Australia. I mean, it's one of the glories of the internet is that we now have access to so many records and a lot of those records have been digitised. Um, I also have a great affiliation with the university, so I feel very fortunate. I often have a lot more resources to have and than, say, the average amateur genealogist. But I did know, I always knew that I would go to Ireland, and indeed I did for about six weeks. And that was largely to confirm what I already had learned about this particular time, this particular world, you know, what it was like to live in 1820s Ireland in the southwest of it when you were particularly poor and particularly a woman. I wanted to know about the domestic life of people from then. I wanted to know every sort of fact of minutiae. Um, and I knew that I needed to go to Ireland to, to substantiate a lot of what I'd already learned. I also knew that I wanted to go and I wanted to immerse myself in the landscape there. Landscape is really, really important to me, uh, particularly as a writer of historical fiction. I see it very much as, a, I guess, one of the things that shapes characters. It shapes the choices that they feel that they have to make. It shapes their lives. In some ways, it shapes their characteristics. And so I knew I wanted to go and I wanted to see what it was like to live in this particular place. But a lot of it was also to go with an open mind, to see if I could find any other biographical information about Anne Roach, the original woman that I heard about. And so, yeah, I spent about six weeks spending a lot of time in archives at libraries. I was really fortunate. Before I left, I wrote to several academics and historians, and all of them were very happy to meet with me. And I asked them a lot of very ignorant, stupid questions, which they very kindly answered. And then I also travelled down the country and spent a lot of time in County Kerry, where the novel is set, really trying to get a feel for the place, trying to get a feel for the culture, and again, keeping my ear to the ground for any other stories about this particular event. I'm sure you learned lots of really interesting things, but is there one particular that maybe stands out that you could share with us? Oh, goodness, I don't know if there's one in particular. I think... I ended up spending a lot of time researching Irish folk ways and out of those sort of folkloric customs and traditions, I spent a lot of time researching um, herbal medicine specific to, to Ireland of this time and I found that endlessly fascinating because like with so many other aspects of Irish folklore, it was bound up in a belief of sympathetic magic, which is something I'd never really come across before. You know, I'm a modern person. I was raised in a modern world where we privilege a particular kind of scientific rationality. So to be exposed to this, this sympathetic magic, which is really the belief that everything is connected and one thing will act upon another. You know, if you have a child who has jaundice with an understanding of sympathetic magic, 
you would believe that, say, a, a yellow primrose on the hill would benefit your child because yellow from the flower will act upon the yellow in your child. And the yellow in the flower is yellow because it has the yellow of the sun. So the goodness of the sun will flow through the flower to your child to cure it of yellow, basically. Um, so I found this sort of incredible. And while it, a lot of it sounds completely outlandish, there was also a lot of wisdom in it. So I really threw myself into that area specifically. And I also wanted, there's a lot of rituals, there's a lot of herbal medicine in the book, and I wanted to make sure that everything that I included was, was based on fact, that the, these things that I've included were indeed what people used to do. Mm. How sort of terrifying a thought is it that something could be, someone could be taken and replaced with something else. I think that's probably everyone's deepest, (laughs) darkest fear, you know, to have those we love taken from us, but for us to perhaps find out too late to do something about it. I think that's the heart of certainly every parent's fear. Mm. Do you know where the the Irish folklore comes from or is this something maybe they, they made up to help deal with the fact that these things were happening? Well, certainly belief in the fairies, uh, you know, this is a very ancient